Welcome to the Keto Couples Kitchen Podcast. This is your host, Jimmy. Just another reminder that I'm not a doctor. I'm not giving any medical advice. I have no intention on this being used as medical advice. This is mainly my ramblings, my anecdotal evidence on myself. And please consult with your doctor. If you have any health issues, uh, consult with a licensed nutritionist or somebody that actually knows nutrition if you're looking for diagnosis or treatment of nutrition-related health issues. Anyway, let's get it going. So welcome back, Keto Couples Kitchen Podcast. This is your host, Jimmy Clegg, coming to you from the office of Keto Couples Kitchen. Do you want to know why it's called the Keto Couples Kitchen Podcast? It's because we are Keto Couples Kitchen. We're just a couple on keto. We've been doing it a little over 10 years now. Uh, we went into this because my health problems. I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, uh, morbidly obese, over 500 pounds, and just sick and in denial. So the way I'm wired, as I've told you guys before, I need to I need to know why I'm doing something or why it works. Uh, so I did my own research, stumbled across the ketogenic diet, the primal blueprint, a couple other things that I initiated to correct the course of my health. And uh, we just like to share that. We opened a bakery here in East Texas. And uh, we just like to share, you know, share the gospel of nutrition. So anyway, that's our calling. That's who we are. Today's another toolbox talk. I believe toolbox talk number four. And I want to talk about sleep. And this is one of what I call the four pillars of health. So everybody knows diet, but People put diet first or they put exercise first. That's two of the pillars. But there's, in my opinion, there's four pillars of health and they're all equally important. And sleep is one of them. So you have diet or nutrition, however you want to call it. You have exercise, you have sleep, and then you have, we'll call it stress management or relaxation, whatever you want to call it. So let's tackle sleep real quick. And I don't want to delve into huge details. I just want to give you a basic idea of sleep, why sleep is so important, and just a few things that we can do to improve our sleep, thus improving our health. So this being a toolbox talk, it's not going to be very long, but we're just going to hit some of the highlights. And maybe we'll do a whole episode. I'm sure we will do a whole episode at some point on sleep. So why is sleep so important? A lot of good things happen in your sleep. First of all, your body has a chance to reset, to wind down, and to recuperate. Uh, a lot of good stuff happens in your brain. I believe your deep sleep stage helps clear some of that plaque away from your brain that can cause the gray matter, which you know, uh, can lead to Alzheimer's if you are prone to Alzheimer's. 
which I am, uh, I did, I'll tell you a really neat hack my doctor Josh told me about. Um, so there's a podcast that we've listened to for a long time and it's called found my fitness and it's Dr. Rhonda Patrick. I've mentioned her before. She's a researcher. She's amazing. She's been on Joe Rogan multiple times, but one thing she does that helps her research so a way you can help an actual world-class researcher, scientist, doctor, you can help contribute and get something out of it is if you've ever done your ancestry, whether it be through 23andMe, Ancestry, you know, you have access, once you've done your ancestry, you have access to the raw data of your DNA. You can download that from the ancestry site and you can upload it to Rhonda Patrick at foundmyfitness.com, I believe. And she will and donate $25, which is super reasonable. Donate that to her. And she will send you like a 50-page PDF of all of your genetic polymorphisms. And if you don't know what genetic polymorphisms are, uh, they call them SNPs. And those are little errors in your DNA which make you prone to certain things. I think some of them can be positive. A lot of them are negative. Like you've heard of the MTHFR mutation, uh, APOE. There's a lot of mutations out there. And she gives you, not only does she give you your mutation, she gives you a little breakdown and references to research on what these mutations are and what you can do to help. So my doctor and I sat down and went through this 50 page uh, report and found that I have a lot of predispositions, a lot of SNPs for things like heart disease, which I already knew, and also Alzheimer's, which we don't have much Alzheimer's in my family history, but I have a lot of SNPs that make me prone to Alzheimer's. And that's where we will just briefly mentioned something called epigenetics. So you've heard of genetics. So if people say, well, I'm genetically predisposed to diabetes, so I guess I'm going to get diabetes. Like just because you're genetically predisposed to something doesn't mean that's a death sentence and you're going to get that. You know, that's genetics. You know, you're genetically predisposed to something. The actual factors that trigger that predisposition is called epigenetics. And that's usually, the majority of the times, environmentally influenced. So you can have a genetic predisposition to lung cancer, but if you never smoke cigarettes or you never work in a factory where you're inhaling chemicals your whole life, you can go your whole life and never get lung cancer. It happens all the time. But if you smoke or you're around asbestos or you're around fumes all the time and you've got this predisposition, chances are you're the one that's going to come down with it. Where other people that work right beside you or smoke right beside you never have any negative you know, consequences from it. Uh, one of the best analogies that I've thought of to give is like you can have a genetic predisposition for brain cancer. 
And you can go your whole life and never get brain cancer. But if you go move underneath some giant electrical grid, yeah, you're probably going to get brain cancer. So food for thought. And that's epigenetics. And that'll definitely be an episode later on. Probably one way above my head. We'll, we'll try to get somebody on here. Uh, anyway, back to sleep. Sleep is super important. We won't go into a lot of details why. Just believe that it is as important as stress management, exercise, and nutrition. So what can we do? This is a toolbox talk. It's not real deep. What can we do? A few steps to improve our sleep, thus improve our health. Number one, and I'm preaching to the choir here because I'm as guilty as anybody, is cut the damn electronic stimulus before you go to bed. And like I said, I'm the worst because I still do it. But there's something called blue light. You've heard of blue blocker glasses. You can buy some of those. They're great. But now with most of our modern appliance, uh, appliance electronics, you can set your phone on nighttime mode. You can set your tablet. You can set most smart TVs now on a nighttime mode that blocks the blue light. Hang on. I'm going to take a drink of coffee. I'm not even going to edit that out. But anyway... Just know blue light triggers your brain to produce a hormone called cortisol. Cortisone, cortisol, cortisol. And that is the fight or flight hormone, but it is the, hey, wake up hormone. Blue light makes your body think it's being exposed to sunlight. And it doesn't have to be just seeing it with your eyes. Research has shown that your skin has photoreceptors, just like a plant does. So just having your skin, you know, so you think, well, my room's pretty dark, or I, you know, am pretty much cutting out the blue light, fluorescent lights, TV, stuff like that. Just having a streak of that light grow go across your arm can trigger photoreceptors that tells your body to produce this hormone to wake you up. So at night, you should be producing another hormone that we've all heard of called melatonin, and that should be telling your body it's time to wind down. You see, our bodies are geared to hundreds of thousands of years, potentially, of, you know, no artificial light. Uh, you know, we go around a fire or something in the evening uh, in numbers to stay to stay warm and to stay safe. And then we get into our little hut, you know, this is prehistoric times, and we sleep. So when it starts getting dark, fire doesn't emit blue light. When it starts getting dark, our bodies start winding down. It starts producing melatonin, and it starts winding you down these blue lights that we expose ourselves to confuse our body and tell us to keep producing the wake-up hormone, the fight-or-flight hormone, and it causes major negative repercussions. Uh, and it's called circadian rhythm. If you ever heard the term circadian rhythm, it's 
it's your body naturally winding down at night and naturally waking up in the morning. So the number one tip in this toolbox is limit your exposure, exposure, exposure to blue light. So turn all these artificial lights off, these fluorescent lights. Uh, it sounds corny, but even if you, if you, uh, you know, just candlelight or get a bulb that's a blue light that uh, is day, it's blue light blocking. Uh, you can buy those. Just try to get your room as dark as you can. Let's say an hour before bedtime. Read a book. Uh, turn the TV at the very least. Turn the TV or tablet or phone on nighttime mode and block that blue light. Get a pair of blue blocker glasses, uh, and they're cheap now. And you can get clear ones now instead of that yellow tint. Uh, you can get them that are actually pretty stylish. But uh, and then. Make your room pitch black. I don't care if you have to get the aluminum foil and put over your windows or uh, blackout curtains. Make your room pitch black. Uh, and I'm still the world's worst at this because I have a phone charger <clears throat> that I put on my bed beside me and it's got a blue LED light. It's red, but when you put the phone on it to charge, it turns blue. And that puts out more light than I would like. And then we usually leave the light on in a bathroom for some reason and have the door closed, but still a little light comes through. Try to make it pitch black. Limit your exposure completely to blue light. So, and phones are another big problem. Uh, and I, you know, thinking about that, I need to just get my phone out of the room. I always kept my phone in the room out of habit uh, in case, in case, uh, you know, somebody at my work, somebody calls early in the morning, but yeah, you know, I'm at a point now at work where I don't have to have that. So I'm going to get that out of my room. Uh, so that's number one. Keep your room as dark as you can and wind down about an hour or more before bed with cutting out all that blue light, preferably something that stimulates your mind less. Like I said, reading, prayer, meditation, breathing, stretching lightly. Uh, something like that to wind down. And I need to take my own medicine and start doing this more regularly. Uh, number two, temperature matters. You know, going back to the prehistoric days, we didn't have central heat and air. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, in this, a uh, lot of people in America came from like a north, northern European climate where it was cold a lot of the year. But the colder you can get it in your room, the better. Uh, we would actually get it down by morning to like 59 degrees. Now, I know you got to be responsible and electricity and all this crap. So we had central heat and air. So we would, we, in our house, we turn central heat to like 74, 75 before we go to bed and have one of those nest thermostats and actually have the temperature go up in the whole house. And we bought very inexpensive, a little 110 window unit and stuck in our bedroom. We'd get our bedroom pitch black and dark and cut that window unit on. Uh, that would save on electricity because it would only be cooling that room. And we would get it down to 59 to 62 by the time we woke up in the morning. And you can tell a marked difference in your sleep quality the colder you can get the room.
So I'm not saying you got to go as drastic as 59 degrees, but get it cold in the room and get it dark. Step number three, back to the circadian rhythm. Another drink of coffee here. Back to the circadian rhythm. You know, our bodies are geared, like I said, to start winding down when it gets dark and to wake up when it gets daylight. So we want to mimic that as much as possible. So that's why we have it dark. We want to get on a regular sleep schedule. If if you stay up till 3 o'clock in the morning sometimes, or you go to bed at 11 sometimes, if you wake up at 4 a.m. sometimes, if you sleep in till 10 or 11 a.m. other days, your body's constantly in limbo. It doesn't know what its rhythm is. So try to get on a regular sleep schedule. We sleep. And we're old, but, you know, we do this because of our work schedule mainly. We wind down and go to bed about 9 p.m., which here in the south, in Texas, it's not even dark yet completely. That's one more reason it's got to be real important to get that room really dark. But we get up at 4.30 a.m. I get up around 4.30 a.m. My wife gets up around 5 or 5.15 a.m. to get ready to hit the road and, and get our day going. So try to get on a regular sleep schedule. I only average about seven hours sleep six days a week, but I try I try to sleep in on Saturday and Sunday because, you know, that old adage of you need eight hours sleep a night is true. So eight or more. So I try to get that eight hours on Friday night, Saturday night, or at least Saturday night, sleep in a little on Sunday morning. And so regular sleep schedule, get it cold in your room, get it dark in your room. Uh, And back to the sleep schedule, there's some research. uh, I haven't really gotten my show notes in order yet. Honestly, I haven't even figured out how to put show notes on the podcast yet. I know how I can put some notes, but anyway, we'll get that done. But there's some really disturbing research about shift work. And I know some nurses and factory workers, some people have no choice. But there's some disturbing research done on people who work shift work, and it tears you apart. It screws up your rhythm. It gets your circadian rhythm backwards. And people actually die sooner. I'm talking like a decade sooner when they work shift work their whole career. Something to think of. Is it worth 10 years of your life? You know, you make more money working at night usually, or you got to have a job. I understand that. But at some point you can feel what it's doing to your body. You never quite feel right because you're never going to get used to it because it's an opposite rhythm than your body wants to be. So it may be worth for your family's sake, for your sake, Switching jobs, taking a little less money, maybe even changing careers. You know, your health and longevity is more important. I'm not going to give up 10 years of my life. That's why I quit smoking. So there you go. I'm trying to brainstorm. So supplementations, uh, sleeping pills, generally, they make you go to sleep, but they change the quality of your sleep. Uh, So... There's a supplement called ZMA, and it's zinc, magnesium, and something else. Uh, That combined with melatonin, 
uh, has been shown in research to improve sleep quality. Don't consider it a sleeping pill, but if you take ZMA, Z as in zebra, MA, if you take it regularly uh, before bed, it can help your sleep quality. And back to COVID, uh, zinc has been shown to really help in your immune system and you know your levels of zinc along with vitamin d and some other things people with higher levels of it have better outcomes with viral infections so it can help your immune system also as all of these four pillars do you know i would contest that when it comes to viral infections and then these health problems we're having uh, these lifestyle things such as the four pillars of health are probably the most important thing you can do to protect yourself Anyway, that's a little bit on sleep. Dark, cut out the blue light, and get yourself on a regular sleep schedule. There's a lot more to it. We'll do a whole episode on sleep, but this is something you can put into action right now and improve your health. In a very short amount of time, you will notice yourself feeling better in the mornings. You will notice yourself more active throughout the day, and you'll notice just a whole host of improvements in your daily life, just by making these little adjustments. Uh, try to get more sleep, try to get the room cold, try to get the room really dark, try to wind down a little before and, and get on regular sleep schedule. It's super important. All right, love you guys. See you soon. Toolbox Talk number four is in the books. Have a great day.